Battel for Kids is proud to present the EdSpark podcast with Dr. Karen Garza. Battel for Kids is a national not-for-profit organization with the mission of realizing the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. I mean, it's just it's just phenomenal to see how you've taken this vision and really stepped back and are thinking completely in different ways around how do we, you know, and I really like the way you described it, Mike. You let the needs of your students, you know, the personalization, your vision for your students drive your decisions versus the traditional model and tinkering with the traditional model. That's and you right. really are, are thinking more broadly about how to respond to some of these. And I just think the innovation that was evident there was just incredible. Well, and again, this, the anchor to all of this work is our portrait. And there, there's, I can, I think I can safely say uh, and accurately, there's not a person, a stakeholder that's involved um, in this work um, that doesn't appreciate the, work, the, the, the portrait and the direction and the transformation uh, that it is uh, uh, uh led to here in Mayfield. I want to talk shift gears to the middle school and elementary because it's just equally incredible what you've all done there. But real quickly, talk about outcomes for kids at the high school. Because some people might just immediately say, well that can't be that, you know, their their student performance has to have gone down. Um and that's at, not the case. So your your kids and your students and your staff are thriving under this this model. So talk a minute about that. Yeah, going back to the old uh, the CTE example that we use, agency engagement leads to a higher achievement. And we're seeing that um, not only in the option, but also in the other two modalities, because students are being empowered to choose uh, the learning modality that best suits them. And so at bet, at worst, achievement is the same, but we're seeing increases in student achievement uh, across the board. Um, because we don't personalize just in the option. Personalization is a philosophy by which we engage with students, whether it's traditional, self-paced, or the option. And so we're seeing high agency and high engagement in all three modalities, and student achievement is, is, is uh, rising. So we're again, that's why outcomes is a component of personalization. Again, agency, engagement, opportunities, and outcomes, because we want to make sure that we're moving the needle for students, and that is happening. And and by the way, all this lines up with what, we're, what we know about the science of learning. Active learning creates higher um, outcomes for kids, but also higher ability to transfer, which you talked about earlier, right? Can I use my understanding and knowledge in new and novel situations that come up in my life and in my work and in, you know, my community. And, you know, I think we're seeing evidence that of that in your district. So let's, let's uh, transition a little bit to elementary middle. And what changes have you seen uh, occur there? Uh, sure. So um, I'm going to take a step back momentarily. And um, the um, part of the, the, see, how can I use it? I would say the, the, the platform by which we build out the work uh, on uh, of the of the portrait is built around four P's, and that is our portrait, personalization, professional learning communities, and permission. And at the elementary school, um, in order to realize that third P of professional learning communities, uh, we restructured our school day, 
Um, if we want our staff to meet together to discuss what do we want students to know, be able to do, how we're going to know if they're learning, how, what interventions are we going to provide if they're not, and if they are learning, how are we going to extend or enrich, then we have to give staff time to meet. So we restructured our elementary school day so that our teachers every five days as a grade level, entire grade level, they're meeting as a professional learning community from eight in the morning until 1.30. We're talking about student data, evidence of learning, best practices, research, et cetera. And they're looking at data uh, every five days as a team and building out. While they're meeting as a professional learning community, the students in that particular grade level are at their specials, which are uh, uh, gym, um, uh, music, art, and synergy. And synergy is one of those courses uh, that is introducing students to reflect on how they learn. You see, so we heard from parents that they didn't want to wait till the kids got to high school to be able to have ownership and reflect on how they best learn. So we've driven it down to the elementary school, uh, uh, excuse me, elementary level. And in its synergy specifically, this is where we give kids the opportunity to reflect on how they best learn. It's a combination of pro problem-based learning around themes and traditional direct instruction. And the themes are, are bundled around student interest because we want high agency. And because they get the opportunity to choose thematically what they want to engage with, or excuse me, learn, then engagement is high. So we start to nurture and foster uh, that agency as early as uh, third grade. And it's a gradual release of control. We want to put control back into the hands of the students and the staff uh, to bring the students along to be able to reflect on how they best learn. And what we're seeing is we're talking about the right things now. Our staff is very appreciative of the time. Our parents understand that this five-day rotation uh, is important to the workforce, advancing and realizing our portrait and giving students and staff the opportunity to sit and talk about outcomes uh, because that's a part of our personalization is a component outcomes. So we're really excited about that. Um, similarly speaking, or I can pause if you want to make- Pause there because I want to talk a minute about that because- okay. You know, you emphasize, you know, you mentioned time and, you know, I think that a lot of times when we want to innovate around education, that becomes the number one most pressing barrier that people will often surface. We don't have the time. Our teachers need the time. And we understand that that's real. They need the time to learn together, to plan together. Um, and that is sometimes just extraordinarily hard to overcome. You all broke the code. I absolutely was shocked at how you all thought so innovatively around how do we think about the elementary day, the time we have kids with us. And, you know, people do this a lot, but they'll say the kids aren't in school that day. They're with parent with their parents, you know, and that's how they've been able to opt. This kids are not leaving. Kids are at school just as like any other elementary school. But and I'm going to say, like, for example, first grades on Monday second grades on Tuesday, third grades on Wednesday. I mean, it's a novel way and of uh, thinking about how do you give the, the teachers the time to be engaged with one another, learning together, planning units. So it, I know it's having a, a significantly positive impact on the days where the kids are with their homeroom teacher because they've had the time to 
to plan with their colleagues and to think about the work. Um, it, and then what was being done with the specials was really incredible too, because they were doing these really integrated units of study um, that were Im- very impressive. So I just wanted to pause for a minute to say that was something to behold. It really was. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, when you think about um 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, and in some cases currently in some of our our uh, districts across the nation, you know, progress monitoring is something that happens at the end of a quarter mm-hmm. where you stop and reflect, okay, how are students progressing or not? And now what do we do? We're progress monitoring every five days. And so the feedback loops are so frequent that we can, t- we, we better know which students are achieving and growing or having trouble so that we can have uh, pinpoint interventions uh, immediately uh, for our students. We don't want to leave any kid behind. We want to know every kid by name, by strength, and by deficit. And that's what personalization does for us. As a philosophy, when we build out a framework around it that leads to us uh, changing the school day, it's because we're trying to use the structures and the time to our advantage so that we can continue to advance this vision. Yeah, it's 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 impressive. So let's talk a little bit about middle school. Another, and by the way, this isn't a cookie cutter model. And, you know, this looks different in every system. But there's so much to be learned about how you all have approached it. But you're also, it's not cookie cutter necessarily at the elementary, middle, and high either. So how have you approached the middle school? Well, similarly, we learned a lot from the middle school. In fact, we have a teaming approach. Uh, and that's what we tried to replicate at the elementary. We have replicated at the elementary. Uh, we see our K teachers as a team. We see our first grade teachers as a team. And we've been able to change the structure to accommodate time time to spend together. The middle school is a little bit easier. They already have been a team, uh, team approach. And so built in the middle of that day, um, every day, every day for our middle school teachers uh, because of the dynamics of uh, uh, electives that we offer as a part of our circuit. Um, that I'll get to in a second, teams of teachers have the opportunity to meet um, to talk about students, students' progress and progress monitor daily, daily. Now, albeit it's not as long as the elementary who has every five days they meet from eight to one, but the time is pretty consistent since the middle school teachers are able to meet every day. Now, during that time, our students are exposed to circuits. Again, we build out around themes. And the students have, with their teachers, the opportunity to determine what those themes are based on interest. And then teams of teachers get together. Maybe a theme is wellness. Maybe a theme is business. Maybe a theme is uh, world cultures. And they build out those themes with teams of teachers. And then students are able, during the circuit time, to choose which one of those uh, circuits that they want to pursue. Again, chasing agency, giving them ownership which leads to higher engagement, which leads to a more motivated learner and achievement uh, improves uh, as well. So um, really excited about what's happening there as well. And again, I, I mentioned a gradual release. As the learner matures throughout our system, we want to give more and more ownership of the learning to the students. Uh, so by the time they're, uh, uh, they leave us, uh, they are, are self advocating uh, individuals Mm -hmm. out here in this complex and ever-changing world with equipped with skills and mindsets. 
The Patel for Kids Spring Superintendent Summit is a unique opportunity to recharge, learn, and connect with education leaders nationwide. Attention Superintendents! Are you passionate about driving transformation in your school system? The summit is a great opportunity for you to engage with and learn from other innovative and transformative leaders from across the country. This intimate experience is a unique opportunity to learn and network with others, and to invest in yourself. This year's summit will be held in Columbus, Ohio on March 8th and 9th. Learn more about the summit and get registered at bfk.org summit. That's bfk.org summit. You know, the systems approach, which we advocate at Patel for Kids so strongly, you've lived it. And, you know, so many school districts sometimes think Porch of a Graduate is a high school thing. And they'll think really seriously about, you know, 11th and 12th grade. And they'll think about capstones, you know, and, and which are, it's good work. But you don't get that optimal level of work if you're not thinking about, are we preparing students throughout their ex- experience with us to really optimize those experiences? That's right. And you've done that, that gradual release you just described. That is setting the stage for kids to be prepared optimally to excel at that level as they go through your system. I was also impressed at the middle school level, the way the teachers collaborated. Uh, one, you know, one, uh, one of your teacher leaders talked about if there's a unit of study, for an example, that maybe the science teachers are engaged in and they need in order to have um that experience, go deep with that experience. They need two hours of time with the kids uh, a particular week or maybe a particular couple of, couple of days that they have like eight to 10 to 12 schedules at their discretion, not the principal's discretion. You know, the principal is real engaged in this, obviously, but he gives, you know, that, that invitation, use the, the, excuse me, permission, use the permission. permission. Yes. To the teachers, the teachers, and they work together and they collaborate around what schedule is going to work most optimally for them and in terms of what they need for their children to learn that week, their students. And they flex the schedule. That's right. It is, it is, it is really, um, I, th- I think, giving teachers a lot of professional discretion that is, um, that is really making a difference for your students. So, talk a minute about that. Sure. Uh, You know, for our audience, we want to make sure that uh, we're not uh, projecting uh, this uh, mass chaos. And and I would I hate to use the word control, uh, but no no structure and organization around this because there is. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's it's the it's the it's the uh, the tension between loose type. And the reason why permission is the fourth P is because we want to empower our staff the same way we want to empower our students around a, a set of parameters and expectations. And it be, it's become a part of our fabric and culture are here. And again, I said that our students expect to be at the table and have ownership. Our staff does as well now. And that's a good thing. Uh, and that's the power of a shared vision because they understand where we're trying to go. And it goes back to the portrait as the foundational springboard to all of this work. And so what you described at the middle school is we understand what the standards are uh, in each of the disciplines. But if Karen and I can work together as two discipline uh, teachers uh, to uh, realize and and expose students to the standards in a manner in which uh, projects high levels of agency and engagement, why wouldn't we? 
And so to give them permission to do so is is powerful. Um, and they really, really enjoy having the the opportunity and the latitude to do such. Well, you know, we've we've heard a lot about, you know, the research showing that for our teachers, you know, that compensation is important, but working conditions matter much more. And the research is really clear on that. And you've you've cracked that code too around how do you create the kind of working conditions that help not only our young people thrive to thrive, but our teachers to thrive in that environment too. And and I and I think that's um what's What's yeah, and, and I agree with you. I thought it was very structured. There was no chaos around this at all. Uh, it was very thoughtful and very focused, but appropriately responsive and appropriately flexible. Um, that it it really responds to the needs of kids. Yes, yes. And if I might, I want to go back to something that you mentioned about the systems approach. I think that thematically this year we we really. Um, of kind of campaign on aligning for impact and, and creating mm-hmm. this this systems alignment pre-K to 12 around the work. And one of the visuals that has really been helpful and impactful for us is the one visual of the wheels that uh, SOAR, the SOAR network here in Ohio has, uh, where it talks about um, all of the wheels in the system need to be kind of running. Well, that's my takeaway from it. And we use that visual a lot as a uh, as a as a reminder and a check. You know, we, we point to each one of them. And what we're, the work we're looking forward to next year is around the the uh, the portrait of an educator. And um, because onboarding, we, we believe that the transformation of the current staff uh, is alive and well. But when we onboard and, and to maintain beyond my tenure as superintendent, how do we how do we continue to reach out and create systems and structures that uh, provides for the sustainability that is necessary for this work to continue? Uh, because it resonates, it's so important, and people appreciate it. And when the people change, my hope is that the work continues. And I think that's what we continue to chase with the systems approach, that the system actually begins to run itself uh, around uh, these foundational um, elements. You're talking about enduring work, right? Which is, is I think, what, um, you know, having been a superintendent and as you as a, an extraordinary superintendent, that's what we should be striving for, this work to endure, endure beyond us. The systems wheel that Mike is talking about is a Battelle for Kids kind of model. We call it the nested system. Um, and we're happy to put that on the screen here in just a minute for um, our viewers uh, to see. Um, but I would also go back to what you were saying about the power of really thinking about also teachers as professionals in this work. Russ Qualia, I think the, the world's kind of leading expert on student voice, He says, you can't give students voice. You can't actually give students voice unless teachers have voice also. That those are two things that have to come together. And I think you described that so well, Mike. Well, our time is coming coming close, you know, nearing an end here. And it was such a fast conversation. I enjoyed this so much, Mike. But I do want to ask you one question to kind of wrap us up here. And that is, from your perspective as a superintendent, you love, you've led just this incredible work and you have to be so proud of it. 
And I know you didn't do it alone. You'd be the first person to say that. And you have an you know, just amazing team of people around you. But what has been the most satisfying aspect of this work for you as a leader? I would say two things. One, being a part of an incredible professional network. Uh, because, and here's why that's important. Uh, you know, as a former sitting superintendent, that you really don't have a peer within your district. You are the only superintendent. And oftentimes from the from the from the visionary standpoint, when you when you want to look and turn, uh, oftentimes no one's there because you're the, you occupy the only seat in that organization. But to be a part of a network, not only in the state of Ohio, but nationally, that are all doing this work. And when you call upon someone, you don't have to explain what you're trying to do. They already know where your heart and mind is because they're wrestling with the same work as well. And so the immediate uh, intimacy that you have and the conversations that spring from that around this work is really, really uh, refreshing and incredibly supportive. So I would say number that's number one. Number two, locally, would be the, the excitement and enthusiasm by which everyone is able to share around a shared vision. Because you don't develop a portrait in a vacuum or behind closed doors with your cabinet. It is something that is born from stakeholder engagement exercises and the beauty and the power of everybody owning it and believing in it is um, the thing that is the anchor in the storm. When we were in the midst of COVID last year during my transition, uh, masks, no masks, uh, all the other divisive uh, components at board meetings. Um, I remember vividly, I think it was our September board meeting when I asked the community, I said, um, I, I brought our portrait back up and I said, let's focus on what we do agree, agree on. And that is equipping students with skills, abilities, and mindsets that will prepare them to successfully navigate in a complex and ever-changing world. We can't predict what tomorrow will be, but we can prepare our students to be nimble and flexible and adaptable to whatever that is. And that really held us together through some really tough times. Um, and that's why the, 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 the revisiting of the, the portrait last year in that work was revitalizing. Uh, it was, it was like a renaissance. It was a rebirth and a rededication and a recommitment. And to not have done it, according to our teacher that day would have been malpractice. So those two things, uh, I would say. Well, you know, I think um, we've been through some tough times over the last several years and, and it's, you know, it continues in some, some ways, but I, I think, you know, the research is clear on this. And I think we all know this from practical experience is that it, you know, we want to follow inspiring, hopeful leaders. And, and Mike, you're one of those people. You're an oh, inspiring, you. hopeful um, leader that makes us all feel um, that the future holds great promise for our young people and for our educational systems. So thank you for being that leader. And thank you for sharing your time so graciously with us today, as you always do. 
Um, we're just excited to be, you know, a partner with you in some of this work. And um, we, we learn so much from you all the time, Mike. So thank you so much for your time today and for your extraordinary leadership. Well, and, and, and I'll end on this. Thank you for always being there. Uh, thank you for your dedication and commitment to not only children in Ohio, but children across this great nation of ours. Um, this is absolutely the right work and the right stuff. Um, thanks for being a champion. You make it easy. Dr. Michael Barnes has been the superintendent for Mayfield City Schools near Cleveland, Ohio since 2021. He began his career in education as a social studies teacher and has served in other administrative roles, including athletic director, director of human resources, and assistant superintendent. You can learn more about Mayfield City Schools in this episode's show notes. Visit our YouTube channel, also linked in the show notes, to watch videos about the transformation happening at Mayfield and other schools around the nation. The Ed Spark Podcast with Dr. Karen Garza is a production of Battelle for Kids. Visit bfk.org to learn more about how we are helping to transform education systems nationwide. That's bfk.org.